Hello, everyone. Is it well with you? Are you sure? A lot of crazy stuff going on on planet Earth. How you doing? Well, you are doing well. Are you sure? I guess it depends on who your daddy is, doesn't it? When God is your father, it is well. Hallelujah. Who can separate us from the love of God? I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things to come, things unthinkable, things thinkable, things today, things tomorrow, and absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God, from the way that God has embraced us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're so glad you're here tonight. And as glad as we are, God the Father is even more glad because he loves you. With every bit of who he is. Isn't that wonderful? And I want to welcome you tonight to Faith Christian Center on behalf of our pastor, uh, Pastor John Pfeffer and his wife, Miss Anita. And they're at Rama Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the Winter Bible Seminar. And uh, enjoying a good meal in the Word and getting fed and and strengthened. And we're looking forward to their return. And uh, they will be back with us next Wednesday evening. And God is good. And we want to know, is there anybody in this place tonight that rooted for the Giants? No, 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 that's not the question, not the question. Is there anybody in this place tonight that's here for the very first time? This is your first time at Faith Christian Center. All right, awesome. How you guys doing? Welcome. Good. Anybody else? First time. Well, we're so glad you're here. You win the door prize tonight. There's really no door prize, but you get a welcome packet, and you can take that with you. And um, you look over that. Oh, he's already got one. Great. And then when the offering container goes by at the end, there's a little guest record in there. If you just fill that out, our pastor would like to send you a letter thanking you for joining us, and we'd like to have a record of your visit. So thanks for coming, and thank, we're glad you're here. Um, God is so good. He's got good things in store for you. Hallelujah. God is good. Well, here we're fifth, what, 53rd day of 2012. Eighth week. Isn't that something? Right in the middle of the first quarter of the year. And God's done great things already. He's bolstered our faith in Him. He's strengthened who He is inside of us. And He's getting us ready to spring forward into the fullness of what He has for us. Isn't that exciting? Well, I don't know if you saw the story the other day on the news, but uh, it was about a couple miles from Roger Williams Zoo, actually. And a police officer saw a man driving by with an animal in his car. And he pulled the man over, and it was actually a tiger. Isn't that amazing? So he said to this man, listen, what is that in your car? And he said, it's a tiger. And I guess since they're so close to the zoo, he said, listen, you've got to take that to the zoo. Take that tiger to the zoo. So he let the man go. And the very next day, same police officer, same guy drives by, and he still has an animal in his car. He pulls him over again. And he says, I thought I told you to take that tiger to the zoo. He said, I did. And he really liked it. And now I'm taking him to the beach. (laughs) So I thought that was good. It's amazing what you see when you watch the news. 
Well, we're just enjoying the new year and so thankful for all God that it has done. And uh, one of the, the things that I like to do as a husband and a, as a dad is I like when we as a family, when we get together, sit in our living room and we'll read a good story or a good book together. It's really been fun. And, and our family just finished a book that was a historical fiction from the 1930s. And I was there for some of that. I didn't get, not get in all of it. But what's amazing to watch as a dad as you watch your children, as we're reading these stories, now there are times we're on the edge of our seat. It doesn't matter if it's fiction or nonfiction. There's times we might be crying or laughing. But what's interesting about children, and what I appreciate so much about children, is they're very real. They're not playing any religious games, any political games. They're just being real. The kingdom of God belongs to them. And as I watch our children... And as we're on the edge of our seats in these stories or we're just reading about different things, I notice something about them. Without anyone ever telling them, they want a happy ending. They want a happy ending to the story. And you know what causes tension? When something begins to challenge that happy ending. When something gets in the way of that. And, you, and you, 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 you know this character and you're pulling for this character and something's getting in the way of the happy ending for this person. And man, it grips you. But we're kind of all like that, aren't we? Yeah. We want happy endings. We want good things to happen. In fact, some of the best stories that have ever been told, the most popular stories that have ever been told, they end with a line that we can all, all recite and it goes like this, and they lived... Happily ever after. Have you ever watched a movie or read a book and it was just a great movie, great book, but the ending stunk? Ah, I hate that. That's like, ah, let's do that again. It's not how it's supposed to end. Why is that? Why are we like that without anyone ever telling us that? Why do we want good things to happen? Well, because the one who made us is good. He's all good. There's nothing bad about him. There's nothing deceitful about him. Nothing evil. He's pure. He's honest. He's just. He's holy. And he's always been that way. And he made us in his image. Therefore, we want to see good things happen. We want a happy ending. Well, I have good news for you. God has a happily ever after for you. And that's the title of tonight's message. Happily ever after. God is so good to us. Let's pray. Father, there's no one like you. Flood the eyes of our heart with the light of Jesus Christ tonight. That we would see you as you are. That we wouldn't believe any thought or any temptation that would try and lure us away from you. That we would realize that knowing you is sweeter than anything this world could ever offer us. Take us higher. Take us deeper. 
mold us and shape us and change us tonight by your spirit and through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So the reality is we were born with a happy ending on the inside of us. And I want to read some scriptures to you. And I want to start in Psalm chapter 40, verse 5. And Psalm chapter 40, verse 5 says this, Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. At the end of the Gospel of John, the writer of John, John writes that Jesus did so many miracles that if we were to write them down, that the whole world would not be able to contain the amount of books that would be written. Verse 5 in the New Living Translation of Psalm 40 says this, O Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. If I tried to recite all your wondrous deeds, I would never come to the end of them. The Amplified says it this way, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us. Psalm 31, verse 19. King James says it this way, Oh, how great is, the good, is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Same verse, New Living Translation. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the Amplified. For we are God's, we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works. What kind of works? Good works, because he's a good God, right? Good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. What kind of life? The good life. Why? Because he's a good God. Right? Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. This is our foundational text for happily ever after. Because it really doesn't matter what a preacher says, right? It's what God says that counts. So we have out of the very mouth of God through the prophet Jeremiah... God the Father, the one who is good, who has nothing wrong with him, who's never done anything wrong to anyone, who's never made a mistake, who's perfect in all his ways and holy and just and benevolent and kind and gracious and merciful, says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans to confuse you, to mislead you, to cause you to um, go through uh, difficult and, and tragic times, to crush you, to bury you, and then get to heaven. Nope. Didn't come out of his mouth. Plans to prosper you. The word there is shalom. One of the most powerful words in the Bible. It means perfect wholeness. Spirit, soul, and body. Prosperity of spirit, soul, and body. God says the plans I have for you are shalom. Plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future The King James says, an expected end. Message translation says it this way, verse 11. God's talking. He says, I know what I'm doing. I'm so glad God doesn't change. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. So when we, when we look at the heart of God in the Word, apart from man's theology, we find a benevolent God who has plans to prosper us. Those plans aren't automatic, but that's the heart of God. We find a God who's made each of us with an expected end, with a happy ending on the inside. We find a God who has prearranged before we're ever born, who planned beforehand a path for us to walk, to live the good life which he prearranged and made ready for for us to live. In fact, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, out of his very own mouth, he said, he clarified, it's the thief that comes, and he comes to steal from you. He comes to kill you. He comes to destroy you. It's not my father. You would not know that from some of the messages that you might hear. He said, but I came, my father sent me that you might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Those are the very words directly from the mouth of God. Far be it from us to change them. Rather, as his disciples We throw our arms around them and we embrace them. So because we're made this way, apart from any religious programming, apart from any worldviews, we're just born this way with, with God's destiny inside of us, with eternity in our hearts, with this expected end, wanting good things to happen. Tension comes in our lives when something challenges God's expected end for us. When something gets in the way of what God has for us, tension comes. Just like in the stories that we read, the tension comes. You know what's amazing? And and I like to get away from man's theology because it's so confusing. I just like to stay with the word. When you look at the way we're made, you know our bodies without, no matter what church you go to, whether you don't go, our bodies fight sickness. The moment something enters our body, our bodies attack it that shouldn't be there. Now, these are, these are fallen 
mortal bodies, right? Even in the fallen mortal state, if something enters our body that shouldn't be there, our body goes into action and attacks it and tries to remove it. Doesn't matter what you believe. Our bodies were made that way. God built systems into our body to keep us well. Our soul is like that. Do you know we naturally gravitate towards happy, positive, inspiring things? We do. Unless you kind of reprogram yourself and become morbid, which you can do. But naturally, we gravitate towards good things. That's not bad. That's how we're made. Give you a, a real recent example. How many people have heard the name Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow. Okay, yeah. Tim Tebow. Tebow mania swept the NFL this year. Now, you may not know a lot about Tim Tebow, but he has quite an inspiring life from before he was born. His parents were missionaries in the Philippines. And his father prayed and asked God to give him a son because he wanted, he would, and he would train him to be a preacher. And his name would be Timmy. And his wife became pregnant. And in the very, very beginning of the pregnancy, it was very difficult. And the doctor that they went to uh, looked at this, he, what he called it, this mass of fetal tissue, this tumor. And he said, the only way that you're going to survive is if we abort this. Now, that was the advice they were given. And I'm so thankful that they knew that there's more to the story, that they knew that man's wisdom is so limited, so small and tiny and weak. And they began to seek the Lord. And they began to pray and believe God for the health of her body and for the health of this baby. She went full term. And, he, and the baby was born. It was a boy. And they named him Tim. And when that baby was born, the doctor, uh, they had gone to a different doctor. They were in a different location. And this doctor held this baby in the hand. After the placenta came out, there was a huge blood clot. I think he said it was the size of him or bigger. And, and, they looked at it, and he looked at this baby, this blood clot, this placenta. And he, he looked at the father and said, this is a miracle baby. He beat the odds. He wasn't supposed to live. Your wife wasn't supposed to live. But here they are. And if you follow his life, it's quite a story. His parents continued to serve in the Philippines, came back to the States and did uh, many things for Christ. And he continued to grow. And what their prayer was for him is that God would give him a great, large platform to tell people about Jesus. I think he's doing that, isn't he? So in, in high school, ESPN was doing stories on him. In college, he played for Florida State, FSU, I think. University, UF. So I, that's the rivalry, yes. University of Florida, excuse me. Pardon me, Tim. Yeah, uh, FSU was uh, one of their rivals. He loved to beat them. But um, he played for uh, them, and he did very well, won the Heisman Trophy. And something he began doing on his eye black, he began putting scriptures on there. And one of the scriptures he put on there was John 3.16. And at one point, I think it was that scripture. There were different scriptures he put on. But at one point, after one of his games, 94 million people Googled that scripture. 94 million people. 
a large platform, right? right? And at every stage, including when he was in the womb, people told him, you can't do it. You're not going to make it. You can't be a quarterback. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I love about, what I like about it, he just didn't listen. He looked to God and said, God, your destiny be done in my life. You see, man wants to put you in his tiny little box. He wants to slam these walls around you and he doesn't want you to get out. But God won't do that to you. Don't let man put you in his box. Take God at his word. Take God at his word. You see, with God, nothing is impossible. In fact, with God, all things are possible. With men, it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. In fact, if you can believe, all things are possible. That's the God that we serve. And that's the plan that He has for you. God has the impossible in mind for you. He has things in store for you that are greater than you've ever dreamed of and or imagined. And if you would compare the things that the world offers you with the things that God has for you, you would laugh. Because the discrepancy is massive. See, there's so much more for us than what the world sees when they look at us. There's so much more for you than what people have called you and told you. There's so much more inside of you. And if you'll just seek the Lord and let Him mine the depths of what He's put in you, your life will be different. Your life will never be the same. So God has deposited this happy ending, this expected end inside of us. But it is not automatic. We have to choose to follow him. We've got to choose to seek him. You see, God's happily ever after for your life will begin to unfold when you begin to live in Him and let His words live in you. Let's look at the Word here. Psalm 37. That expected end that God deposited inside of you in your mother's womb. He wants to cultivate that. He wants to cultivate your expectations. He wants to fulfill your expectations. Psalm 37 says it this way. We'll start in verse 3. Trust in the Lord. Not in man, right? Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust in him. And he shall bring it to pass. Bring what to pass? His expected end for your life. The Amplified says it this way. Verse 3. Trust. Lean on. Rely on. And be confident in the Lord. And do good. Listen closely. So shall you dwell in the land. And feed surely on his faithfulness. Have you ever fed 
on the faithfulness of God. Meditated on how good He is. And what He's done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a well-balanced diet in the four food groups. This is the health diet that we all need right here. Feeding on the faithfulness of God. Day in and day out when we're sleeping, we're feeding on the faithfulness of God. We're ever mindful of His goodness. We're ever mindful of of His mercy and His kindness and His holiness and His righteousness and what He's done for us through the blood and sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And feed surely on His faithfulness and truly you shall be fed. Verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord. And He will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose each care of your load on Him. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. What? His expected end. You see, when you make a decision to make your personal relationship with Jesus Christ the greatest pleasure in your life, you open the door for God to do things that He could not do otherwise. If you have not made Jesus Christ the greatest pleasure of your life, you cannot see straight. That's just the way it is. We don't realize that, but it's true anyway. Right? See, God says, delight yourself in me. He's not like a, I don't know, what do you say, like an ego freak or something. He wants you to fulfill your destiny. He's saying the inspiration you need, the food you need, the nourishment you need, the strength you need, the peace you need, the wisdom you need, the everything you need is found when you come to me. When you eat me, when you take my word and put it in your heart and keep it in there and meditate on it and feed on my faithfulness. See? So we delight ourselves in Him. We've chosen to make our relationship with Jesus Christ the greatest pleasure of our lives. And we refuse to let anything compete with that. And it's not until you do that that you begin to see things. And you begin to see through things. There are things you may want now. But when you see the good thing that God has for you. No contest. Can you see it? Can you see the good things he has in store for you? Be aware man's theology can't get you. God will take you where man can't take you. Where man's religion can't take you. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you are great. We're here tonight to worship you. We're here tonight to bless you. We're here tonight to magnify your name. We will not take the word of man. We take you at your word. I can't tell you how many commentaries I've written or not written, excuse me, read, 
by pastors and, and spiritual leaders on the Bible that are so wrong. In fact, one that I was reading, he disagreed with Jeremiah 29.11 and said that word shouldn't be trans, translated uh, prosper. God plans to prosper you. That, sh- that, that shouldn't be translated that way. It should be translated peace. Now see what he's done. You take a Hebrew word shalom, which does mean peace. But he's taking his watered-down American version of the word peace, probably from the 60s, right? That you walk around like this, or I don't know. But Jesus used the word peace, irene in the Greek, same thing as shalom. It meant untroubled, undisturbed well-being. Wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. Prosperity of spirit, soul, and body. Powerful word. You can't listen to the wisdom of man. You've got to take God at His word. He wants you to know this tonight. You can't mix the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. You'll come up with nothing. You'll be a frustrated Christian. If you want to experience His expected end, you've got to feed on His word and His word alone. Food will pol- fear will pollute your diet of the word of God. Anxiety will pollute your diet of the word of God. Worry will pollute your diet of the word of God. You can't feed on the faithfulness of God and be anxious and worried at the same time. It pollutes the food. It's poison in the food. Just His Word. Just His Word. Feed on His Word. Feed on His Word. Feed on His Word. Feed on His faithfulness. Feed on His goodness. Feed on who He is. Who He's declared Himself to be. Hallelujah. See, this is where true happiness comes from. Now we're getting to the difference between true happiness and the world's definition of happiness, which is really selfishness. The world defines happy as getting my own way. Getting what I want in life. I want the money that I want, the things that I want, the people that I want, the job that I want, and then I'm happy. That's selfishness. And if you live that way, you'll be empty. And cold. And confused inside. But see, real happiness comes when you're no longer living for what you want, but you're living for what He wants. You're delighting yourself in Him. And you say, I realize, God, you made me. I didn't make you. And I'm coming to the you, the one who made me. And I give you my life. I give you my everything. And I'm going to love you. And I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to live for you every day of my life. I don't care who says what about it. I delight myself in you. Now, Jesus had this down. He was a master. He knew just what to do. And I love how he talks. And he says, I only do the things that my father does. In fact, in the message, verse 27 of Matthew 11, he says, this is a unique father-son operation. Coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does. Nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you willing to listen? 
So we cherish his words because we get this insight into this perfect relationship with the Father. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, says this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. There are two types of suffering in, in two broad categories that the Bible talks about. And to, to be able to discern them, what he's talking about there, there is the type of suffering in which Christ was our substitute. The, the, the penalty for our sin, the sickness and disease, the curse of sin, he was our substitute in that suffering. The second type of suffering he was our example in, and that's persecution for righteousness sake and putting down the flesh, keeping the flesh in subjection to the Spirit. So what we're talking about right here, and it's important you understand that difference, because if you don't, you won't fulfill your destiny. He's saying, uh, arm yourself also with this same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh, been persecuted for righteousness' sake, in other words, stood up in the midst of those who ridiculed him, didn't go with the flow, didn't go with the crowd, but stood up and stood for God. He who has done that and he who has said no to his flesh, he who has buffeted his body and said, body, you will serve God. You will obey me. I will not obey you. There's pain involved in that. There's a suffering in that. It's not sickness and disease. It's a making, making your flesh do what it's supposed to do. And it will scream and cry and tell you all kinds of things, just like a little spoiled child, to get you to, to, to obey it. But he says, the one who has stood and taken ridicule for righteousness' sake on my behalf, the one who's buffeted his body, the one who's told his flesh what to do and kept his flesh under his spirit, the one who's done that has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God, the message says it this way. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your suffering as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. If you do that, then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Hallelujah. See, I remember before I knew the Lord, and then I remember coming to know the Lord. And I remember the things that my flesh wanted to do, strong desires in me to do things that weren't good for me. And then I remember saying, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. And I remember reading his word and finding out, you know what, these things are wrong. I can't live this way anymore. And I remember my flesh kicking and screaming. And I remember friends trying to get me to do those things. And I said, no, I'm not going to live that way. I didn't do this in front of them. I just said, no, thank you, and kept on going. And then when I got alone, I did this. He's really gone nuts. I got alone, and I talked to my body. I said, you will glorify God. You will do what's right. 
You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You serve me, I don't serve you. And a strength began to grow in me. And I began to see through things. And things, a freedom came. Things that used to grab me and pull me couldn't grab me and pull me anymore. You will be tyrannized by your flesh if you don't take charge. God wants you to be free to live, to pursue what he wants for your life instead of being tyrannized by what your flesh wants. He wants you to, to fulfill the destiny that he's created, that he's, he's planned for you. And let me, in closing, I'm just going to read you some scriptures. You don't have to turn there. There's, a, there's a, uh, quite a few of them. You can just write down the reference and read them later. But, but the Bible has a lot to say about being happy and about God's happy ending. And I just want to read these in closing to reinforce the heart of God. Psalm 144, verse 15. The latter half of the verse says, Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 8 in the Amplified says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord our God is good, blessed, happy, fortunate. To be envied is the man who trusts and takes refuge in Him. Psalm 84, 4 says this, Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied, envied are those who dwell in your house and your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. Selah, pause and calmly think of that. Psalm 84, 12 says this, O Lord of hosts, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man who trusts in you, leaning and believing on you, committing all and confidently looking to you, and that without fear or misgiving. Psalm 94, 12, amplified, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man whom you discipline. And instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law. Psalm 112.1, praise the Lord, hallelujah, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied, is the man who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Psalm 119.2, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied, are they who keep his testimonies and who seek, inquire for and of him and crave him with the whole heart. I like that one. Psalm 128.1, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is everyone who fears, reveres and worships the Lord, who walks in his ways and lives according to his commandments. The truth is that God has a happily ever after for you. And that if you will will live in Him, delight yourself in Him, make Him your all in all, give Him your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body, that you will begin to see His happily ever after unfold in your life. And oh, how sweet it is. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight. For your heart, for your word. Lord, if we just get get away from all the noise of man's theology and man's wisdom and we just take you at your word.
You're amazing. You are amazing. Quicken us tonight, Father, with your Holy Spirit. That we would recognize the noise. That we would recognize the, the thoughts that pop into our minds that are, that are contrary to your heart. That we would embrace your word and feed daily on your faithfulness. This is not about what we can do. It's not about what we want. It's about who you are shining brightly in us. Be glorified. Be magnified. Be exalted in our lives. We have nothing to prove but who you are. We have no agenda but yours. You and you alone are God. And we choose from this moment on to make you the greatest pleasure of our lives. In Jesus' name.